Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What is going on, FA Nation? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast. And Coop, we are mere weeks away from the start of the NFL season. So I think it's time for us to take a look at each player's ADP. We'll check out the rounds and talk about guys that are our guys and maybe guys that aren't our guys at each round position and see who we're looking to target and guys we're looking to fade and maybe even get a little bit of debate on some of these players. Yeah, I mean, so we've already done, we went through a while back into the individual positions, but so much has changed since then. And now we are right before drafts. Like you've probably already had one of your early drafts if you're a big gamer like we are, but your big drafts are coming up. You always set your hometown draft for the last possible moment if you listen to John and Pemba, and you should. You don't even have final roster cuts downs yet, so you still want to schedule them a little bit out, but we're right in it now. And we have real ADP data for regular leagues, not best ball talk. We're talking about real leagues. we got to set a lineup. So what better time than right this moment to go through and look at all the picks where people are going and boil it down to what fantasy really should be at the end of the day, the guys that you really like and are targeting and the guys you're definitely not taking. Because ADP be damned at some point, you have to get the guys you like. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Now, we got a lot to get to, so let's just, we're just going to dive right in. When we're talking first, P guys, I think that we have the consensus number one of Jonathan Taylor. I'm not against Jonathan Taylor. I don't think you're against Jonathan Taylor. But when we talk about winning upside, no player has had a higher fantasy output as a number one player than Christian McCaffrey over the last handful of seasons when healthy last season when he was on the field and healthy he was one of the highest point per game players at the position three years ago he was by far away one of the highest scoring players of all time he's going consensus too but you and I when we've been in drafts man we've been in on CMC as 101 yeah in full people I've come to the conclusion that in full PPR I'm taking Christian McCaffrey one the question is whether I'm going to take him one in half PPR. When you look at the full PPR points per game over the last five years, the number one season is Christian McCaffrey. The number two season, also Christian McCaffrey. Number three is Todd Gurley. Jonathan Taylor's season last year was down at 13 on the list. So even though he was the number one player last year, that season really wasn't historically amazing. In, in other years, he would have been two, maybe even three or four. And when you look at it, he actually got less targets than Naheem Hines on on the same team. And, and John Taylor played all 17 games. So there is a little concern. There's no perfect player this year, in my opinion. Unless you want to go wide receiver, then Justin Jefferson's pretty as close to perfect right. as you can get. But for me, I'm willing to take McCaffrey at one. I'm If I'm picking, if, I get to, if you're in one of those leagues where you get to pick where you draft, I'm picking two, and I'm just going to take whoever's there of McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor and feel really good about that. Yeah, you don't want to be making the tough decision there. I, I get that. I'm always the one when we have the, the old Twitter debate, give me your best, your favorite draft position. It's one, right? It's like people being like, oh, like, you know, what's your favorite poker hand? It's pocket aces. Like, give me the best hand. Give me the best player. Like, why am I going to play around and, and sort of hope that fortune falls my way? Now, just give me the guy with the highest ceiling. That's Christian McCaffrey. I agree with you on Justin Jefferson. I don't see myself taking a wide receiver early. I have a lot of that sort of like anchor RB brain where I want that stud running back filling out my lineup. I get it. Injuries always come for players no matter. There's no safe spot, really. You can take Jonathan Taylor this year as healthy as it's been. Could get hurt, whatever. Take that risk, but I'm going to go running backs early 
And we earlier this year, one of the first best balls that I've done this season, I made a little bit of waves by taking Austin Eckler over Jonathan Taylor when I had that second pick. And a lot of that had to do with Eckler's rushing performance last year as the lead back, healthy, was able to find the end zone, ran for a really strong rate. But I also felt like there was some more potential positive movement for him this year when it came to his receiving numbers. Two years ago, we saw him with 90 catches. Last year, I think it was in like the 70s. I think we could see him being more involved in the passing game this year in an offense that we know is going to put up a lot of points. He's still going to be that featured back. There were some waves made early in camp where Ecker was like, if they want to cut back my snaps a little bit to keep me fresher, like I'm okay with that. That doesn't mean Austin Eckler all of a sudden is going to be playing 50% of the snaps. He's still going to be the leading snap getter on that team. He's going to touch the ball more than anybody on that offense at the running back position. It's not going to be Isaiah Spiller. It's not going to be Joshua Kelly. None of those guys are going to cut into Austin Eckler. And I was looking at the points per game, and I was looking at the total production for Eckler versus Taylor last year, and Eckler was only just right behind Jonathan Taylor. And that was a Taylor really having what I feel is like a season, a a ceiling-type season. So if there was any sort of regression from Jonathan Taylor this year and Eckler just continues to produce like he did, which are numbers that I feel like are pretty baseline for him, he could have easily been the top scoring player, both in fantasy points per game and total fantasy points overall. Now, I know that people have cooled on Eckler a little bit. I've seen him fall down draft boards of late. I'm fine getting him in the middle rounds if he's there. Like, I'm totally in on taking Eckler, and I hope people keep taking these wide receivers over him, and I'll just scoop it up. I'm fully on board with Austin Eckler, and I have, just like you, I have him at three. You know what I mean? And even in full PPR, maybe two if McCaffrey goes one. I mean, so for me, I'll take Justin Jefferson and I'll be happy about it at four after those three running backs are gone. But I'm with you. I'm not really doing that a lot. And the thing about Austin Eckler is people point the fact that he never had a thousand yard rushing season at any point. But in fantasy football, we really just care about yards from scrimmage. If you can get the most yards from scrimmage and have receptions, then who cares how you get them? And he had the third most yards from scrimmage of any running back, only behind Taylor and Najee Harris last year. In fact, if you look at his stats, last year he had the most rushing yards he ever had with 911. He actually had 993 receiving yards in that 90-catch season you were talking about. So that's better. Scott Barrett mathematically proved that receptions are more valuable than carries, even in standard. So give me the catches. Give me Austin Eckler. So I'm with you on that. I don't find myself getting Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase that often just because when you like a guy like Eckler, right, like that's the position where you have to take Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson if you want them. And Eckler's almost always there. It's just kind of one of those things where I just don't end up with them. And I got Justin Jefferson in an auction because I paid out the nose for him, but I just wanted him and I wasn't getting him anywhere else. So of those top dogs, like I'm pretty set on those top three wide, uh, three running backs. And then I look at the wide receivers. My question for you, John, is do you go for Jefferson, Cup, or Chase, or do you have more running backs that you like better than those guys? Yeah, listen, I think this is – so I'm fine with Jefferson if he falls. Again, I but I only really do it to be different. And I feel like we should clarify this a little bit too because now that we're getting closer and closer to redraft, best ball is a different beast. And a lot of fantasy football Twitter, I find oftentimes are still tweeting a lot of their takes about best ball – where a lot of our followers are in their redraft mode. So I, I say real quick, I'm going to lay this down right now. This particular show, let's talk about these players like we're in our hometown league, whether it's a big money prize or 20 years of pride on the line. It's your big league, and you're taking your draft in as if it's your only draft. I think that's the way we should approach this list. You on board with that, John? Yeah, 100%. That's kind of how I feel as well. So with that said... And a player that I think you and I are going to disagree on, a player that we just had wrote an article over at Fantasy Alarm in our new player debate series, which you got to check out if you haven't already, is Derrick Henry. I'm in on Derrick Henry. I took Derrick Henry fourth overall the other day in a draft that I was in because you, you look at a player and there's a lot of talk about there's a lot of wear and tear on him, the carries the last couple seasons, really starting to wear him down. And oh, there was the injury. Everybody knew the injury was coming. It's like, that was a fluke injury. The guy broke his foot, right? Like, that's not that's not a wear and tear injury, in my opinion. Right? That's just one of those things that happens. Plenty of receivers, we've seen running backs, they go to make a cut, foot gets broken. It just kind of happens. It's an unfortunate injury to see. Last year, if you go look at points per game, Derrick Henry was the leader at the running back position through the first eight weeks of the season. Jonathan Taylor was behind him, Christian McCaffrey. Points per game, not total points. I'm talking about points per game. No running back was scoring more points per game than Derrick Henry. And this is a guy who was on pace 
Again, we talk about his ridiculous season totals. Through the first eight weeks of the season, he was on pace for almost 2,000 yards rushing over 20 touchdowns. And and for all those who say Derrick Henry doesn't catch a football, he was on pace for 40 receptions, 300 yards. Is that a ton? No, but this is a guy that wasn't catching a football at all. Now all of a sudden he's going to add almost 40 catches into what he is for a PPR league. He was the leading points per game player at the running back position through eight weeks last season. Why people are down on Derrick Henry, I feel like the way you and I argue with Zeke detractors, we should be arguing with Derrick Henry detractors at this point. The man didn't show any signs of slowing down. Their deterrents are, again, the offensive line around him is kind of weak. The offense around him is kind of whatever. They run the ball 30 times a game with him. They just run the ball with Derrick Henry until he breaks down. Last year was a foot injury, but he wasn't slowing down due to production or carries or anything like that. And he was a truck last year through eight weeks. So I'm just saying, if Derrick Henry's there and I'm in the middle of the draft, like I'm taking Derrick Henry. I don't believe, we talk all the time, I'm not an injury prognosticator. I'm not going to go ahead and say that Derrick Henry's going to get hurt or wear down. I think they're going to give him the ball 25, 30 times because that's what their offense is. You just took so many of my own arguments, especially the injury prognosticator thing, and threw it right in my face, dude. I love it. I love that you did that. But here's what I will say. We aren't talking about Zeke. Zeke goes in the third round. Zeke's a great pick where he goes, and he only is a guy that's getting, at this point in his career, probably 40, 50 targets max, which is the maximum for Derrick Henry. And that's the real problem, man. That's the rub is that in a full PPR especially, a target is worth 2.74 times what a carry is worth. And when you look at a guy like Najee Harris, who just got 94 targets last year, like Derrick Henry, we're getting all excited about 40 for I just can't. I can't go there in full PPR. At half PPR standard, Derrick Henry in the middle of the first round, you feel really good about it. But, you know, there's only two running backs, starting running backs that are older than 27, and that's Derrick Henry and Corderell Patterson. If you can even consider Patterson that type of player, it's just Edwin Porras, the injury guy. His opinion is that this is a big guy, foot injuries are tough. I would rather be a year ahead than a year behind because he has a long way to fall. That's the problem with the lack of receptions is when it's bad, it gets real bad. So I don't have a problem with other people taking Derrick Henry. I don't have a problem with taking Henry myself if I'm drafting with a lot of like-minded people and they take guys like Najee Harris or Dalvin Cook first. But for me, I'm always going to skew pass catching. It's just the way I play this game. So uh, Henry... He's just a guy I don't end up with a lot. Yeah, doesn't mean I hate. Doesn't mean I hate the guy. Sure. And Howard Bender is an evil genius for setting up this series, which is a great idea. Pitting, he basically went out, took a bunch of players, divisive players, asked all of us privately who we liked or didn't like, and paired us up to write against each other. Yeah. So you're getting sharp analysts. You can read these articles. The Derek Henry ones up now. You can read from both sides of the coin and decide for yourself. But for me, I mean, John, you convinced me just now, but. There's just, it's, in the first round, there's probably no bad picks. So I'm taking the guys I like best. Sure, uh, 100% agree. And the one thing, just uh, you mentioned the age. Unlike some of these uh, like other workhorse running backs that come into the league and they're immediately handed this big, huge workload, that wasn't Derrick Henry. He didn't get 200 carries to his third year in the league. And then he obviously got pounded with 300 carries back-to-back years. But, you know, I understand the amount of carries he's seen, but I'll say some of the early tread on him wasn't what we've seen out of guys like Jonathan Taylor, who came out right away. Yale Elliott, like you mentioned, came out right away with these like big sort of workloads going towards the Henry had he's a little like, bit of a slow introduction there. He's like running back Adam Thielen. He didn't get going right away. Yeah, so they had like DeMarco Murray trip. there for a year, and they had like other Deion Lewis for whatever reason only kept him to 200 carries in his third year there. So again, I'm not saying the age obviously isn't a factor, but you know he's really only gotten a big workload in the last two or so years. So yeah. uh, something yeah. to watch when we talk about the workload. I don't mind the Najee Harris thing. Again, I think for a lot of the same reasons, we should be down on. Uh, in my opinion, a guy like Saquon Barkley, I feel like Najee Harris a little bit. Quarterback situation, highly questionable. Offensive line situation, very questionable. Is he going to be a volume monster like he was last year? Sure, of course. But that volume monster was only good for 17 and a half uh, points per game in a PPR league last year. So what kind of re- what kind of continued production, I guess, do you expect? Do you see Najee Harris increasing from what he did last year? Like, is there a path for him to be better given sort of the uncertainty of that offense that's still around him? No, he's just, he's a safe pick. That's what he is. Like, the volume's going to be there. The touchdowns probably won't. That's the difference maker between a guy like Najee and Jonathan Taylor and honestly Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler scored 20 touchdowns yeah. last year. 
You know what I mean? And I don't think the touchdown is going to be there. That's why he, Najee doesn't go there. But Najee had the second most yards from scrimmage. So you have to respect the volume. I know Eddie Faulkner, the running back coach, came out and said the, uh, he shook a magic eight ball and said we need to give him seven less snaps a game or whatever it is. Who cares? He's the best player on the team. They're going to use him in the high leverage situations. But no, I agree with you there. But let me throw one at you here. Dal- let's say Dalvin goes, Najee goes. You're on the swing, right? Hometown league, playing for keeps. You can take two guys. This is what the board looks like. You got Stephon Diggs, Devonta Adams, Joe Mixon, Travis Kelsey, DeAndre Swift, Saquon, CeeDee Lamb, Alvin Kamara. Let's say that's the group there. You got to take two two guys from that group. Well, where are you going? I mean, this is what happens in your hometown league. Yeah. A lot of these leagues have a, a one-minute clock, and you got to live that list of guys. You got to take two of them. What are you doing here, John? So, yeah, I'm going to go running backs here. Again, it's not that I don't love the elite wide receiver talent that's certainly on the board with Diggs and Adams and C.D. Lamb in that range. But I've just, the receiving depth, I think, is pretty elite this year in those third and fourth rounds as well. So I'm probably double tapping running back. And if we're in full PPR, I mean, how do you not take a look at the way Alvin Kamara is now starting to move up draft boards? This is a guy that, if not for like the looming suspension, I think, until like this last month, he probably would have been a first-round running back. Like, For yeah, sure. That offense is healthy around him, supposedly. Jameis is healthy, supposedly. I feel like they, they would have he would have been valued higher if there wasn't the, the possibility of him missing six or more games. But now that it seems like he's not being suspended, you see his ADP just rocketing up draft boards to where soon he's going to be at the end of the first round. And I think I would be willing to take that opportunity to draft him there. But just thinking what we're going to get out of that, potentially get out of that Saints offense. So I like Alvin Kamara. Swift is another guy that's super interesting. You want to talk about guys who in thousand seasons, right? Like receiving yardage and rushing yardage. We know Swift is an elite pass catching running back. His issue has just been in injuries. And as we've sort of made it a point for us this season... We're not in that game. I'm not going to tell you DeAndre Swift's going to get hurt, which means I'm going to project him to play 17 games, which means I'm going to project him to get like 80 catches, right? Like 800 yeah, yards yeah. receiving and flirt with 1,000 yards rushing. So give me DeAndre Swift. Give me Alvin Kamara if I'm on that turn. Dude, is our Did our mock draft get posted yet? Because that's literally how I started our... I don't think it's up yet, but it's, I mean, by the time this comes out, it probably will be out there. We did a mock draft with all me, John, Howard... Kevin Tompkins, Justin Fetterman, Britt Flynn, like all the names, all the people that you trust. Like we did a mock and I took DeAndre Swift and Alvin Kamara with my first two picks. It wasn't at the turn. So like Kamara made it back to me. I think I picked 10th and I made it back to me like 14. But that's how I started and I felt amazing about it. I felt great about it. And honestly, I don't mind taking Barkley either, but I'm taking those guys you talked about. If this is a half PPR situation instead of full PPR, Joe Mixon's a little more entertaining, but in full PPR, if you can go Swift, Kamara, and Kamara doesn't get suspended, woo, lad, man. You might have just won your league. So I'm fully on board with that. I do like Barkley and I like Mixon, but they don't feel quite as they don't feel quite as genre-defining as the PPR backs, Swift and Kamara. Especially, I mean, think about Kamara. When you talk about hero RB, two years ago, if you had Alvin Kamara and you made it to the championship, you just won. Flat out, six touchdowns. And, like, he's capable of that at any moment. They're they're not scared to give it to him like that. They're not scared to give it to Michael Thomas like that. It's just a, For me, that's the biggest thing. A lot of people look at Alvin Kamara's year last year, and they're like, oh, it was pretty disappointing for where you drafted him. Look at who was on that offense. The top receiver was Marquez Calloway, right? Like, Traquan Smith. Like, they they had nobody of skill on that field. And then Jameis went down, and they were going with, what was it, like Tremor City in their quarterback for a little bit, right? Like, they, they, there was nothing there where teams just kind of were like, all right, like, stop Alvin, right? Like, that's all you have to do. And they were pretty successful with it. There were obviously some big games. Week 17, he ran for 146 yards against Atlanta. Bad team there. 120 yards against the Jets. Bad team there. But good defenses were just like, their quarterback doesn't scare us. Their wide receivers don't scare us. Stop Alvin Kamara, we beat the Saints. Yeah. Now you're lining up. Healthy Jameis Winston, healthy Michael Thomas, first-round pick Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. Like, now you have to worry. And if you have to worry about the downfield passing attack that the Saints are going to put on the field with Jameis at quarterback, you're going to maybe forget a little bit about where Alvin Kamara is on the field, or you're going to have a different defensive package out there to deal with all those receivers, and you're going to leave holes open for Alvin Kamara to dice you apart. I'm willing to take that risk with Alvin Kamara right now. I'd be willing to reach for Alvin Kamara right now. I just think the potential for him to have get easily returned value is where we're at. So 
Yeah. I mean, then one thing I've heard people say, like, oh, Teron Armstead's gone. And Teron Armstead is amazing, right? Like, he is a killer, great addition by the Dolphins. He's He was graded as high as number one on Pro Football Focus's list a couple of years ago. But, I mean, last year, even in, like, the Giants game, for instance, Teron Armstead missed that. Kamara had 120 yards. The Falcons game you mentioned, Ron Armstead, was, he was out by then, too, 146 yards. So I don't think it's the end of the world that he's gone. This is a guy also when that's the other beauty of having a pass catching back is that it kind of makes you a bit immune to the line issues because if you can't run it, they just throw it to you. So I'm definitely making that play. Now, John, let's say you're you and me are in a draft together and I decide I'm going to take the running backs of those wide receivers. You got to pick one. Let's say you're at the turn. Only one running backs there that you're interested in. Diggs, Adams. City Lamb. Got to pick one here. My gut is telling me to take Devontae Adams. I'm probably going to end up finding myself with more Devontae Adams. I feel like the right answer might be Stefan Diggs, though. I mean, MVP quarterback potentially should have been MVP quarterback. I get why they gave it to Aaron Rodgers, but like Josh Allen, like he really is that dude. And I, I think that Diggs is as capable of repeating what we got out of him two years ago as he is anything. But you're, it's hard to discount the fact that. Derek Carr threw for 4,800 yards last year, and and now they got him Devontae Adams. So I feel like I'm going to have a lot more Devontae Adams. I'd probably take Devontae Adams. It would not stop, shock me at all, though, if Diggs ends up being the right call here. Yeah. The over-under for, for Carr is like 4,400 uh, 4, yards. It, it's like the fourth or fifth highest of any quarterback yeah. this year. It's crazy. And if you look at the over-unders for these wide receivers, they're all around 1,200, but – Devontae Adams at nine and a half touchdowns compared to like seven and a half for Lamb, eight and a half for Diggs. So if you were to ask Vegas who you take, they would say Devontae Adams and then they would have Diggs next. And Lamb is the next guy out. I feel good about getting Lamb in the second round. I don't feel great about having to take him at this way. Don't worry, everyone out there. These early picks, like we're just going through some scenarios. Soon enough, especially this year, I feel like in ADP, it breaks down and now you're just taking the guys you want. And it happens way sooner than you might think. So these first few rounds, you have to kind of look at it with a fine tooth comb with a with a magnifying glass because it is kind of a panic spot and a bad feeling when you're on that swing and you don't know which two guys to take. So why not simulate that a little bit? But now that as you get into the second round and the third round, you're you should do your best to narrow it down to three or four guys you like and just try and get them get get them at a good price. And if you can't get them, just move down to the next guys you like. Don't worry about ADP. You don't want to spend, especially if you only play in one league, you don't want to spend the year rooting for a guy you didn't even want to take. You just took him because you were supposed to. Right, right. John? Yeah, for sure. And we talk about this all the time, like know your league format. You don't always have to draft by ADP. And sometimes you and I, you and I we draft on so many different platforms. And we, But we also check out sort of like the high stakes ADP. And we see sort of where these guys are going. And then we get in our drafts on ESPN or Yahoo, RT Sports or Sleeper or whatever. And we're scrolling through where like these player rankings are, these ADP rankings are. And we're like, whoa, this guy is like way down here. He's usually going way here and you can find yourself some value or find yourself spots where maybe guys aren't being used to being drafted and you can sort of still craft your lineups to get certain players. But you're right. Like don't feel stuck. It's like 10th. Like I should take Diggs, Adams or Mixon because this is where I'm at. Listen, if you want Alvin Kamara, go take Alvin Kamara. If you want CeeDee Lim, go take CeeDee Lim. You're the guy that's doing your own research, hopefully. And we Listen, Coop and I give out a lot of content. We give you our opinions. We do our research to give you that. But like, Fact check us. Build your own strategies around what we're saying. Like, right. go look for other opinions and just sort of craft your own lineup there. So I'm with you there. Be creative. Be open to other options. As we move down the second round, there's a lot of guys that I'm okay drafting. The only person in the second round so far that I have zero shares of in any draft that I've done. Well, there's two, I guess, depending on how you label this. That's Debo Samuel and that's Tyreek Hill. I have no shares of either of those players. I don't really want shares of either of those players. Right. Truth. Yeah, you can put me. You can put Travis Kelsey on that list for me just because the way I play, I lean into what I'm good at, which I think I can find value at the tight end position. I don't want to use all my juice and all my research on taking the top dog and use my first or second round pick. So Kelsey, I'm not taking there either. Debo honestly terrifies me. All those guys do. Debo, Ayuk, George Kittle. I understand the upside, but, and this is something that comes up with Josh Allen a lot too, is that we think that because a quarterback's being drafted high in fantasy football, that he can produce this offense that is just magical, right? Like we look at Josh Allen because he's the number one quarterback, that must be the number one passing offense. But last year, in terms of per game stats, Kirk Cousins 
through the air, did pretty much the same thing as Josh Allen. In fact, with less interceptions. He had more yards, right? More yards per game, similar touchdowns per game, less interceptions per game. But in our minds, Josh Allen is going to produce way more volume. When you think about Trey Lance, the amount of volume through the air can get pretty scary. And Vegas has the over-under for Debo Samuel set at 925 receiving yards. Last year, he had 1,400. 1,400. Yeah. This year, they're saying... They don't even have him set at a thousand. Like, in his rushing over under total is like three fifty. So last year he had I think like three eighty or something like that. Or his contract this year specifies that he gets extra money if he has three eighty. But I mean, when you really break it down, Vegas is trying to tell us something about what they think Trey Lance's passing volume is going to be. So. Yeah, I think that's what it is, and this is sort of the argument, and we'll get to it when we in a, in a round or so. But you know, offenses now the 49ers are a little different. They just run and run anyways. But they're going now from a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo who handed off to run the football you know, to a quarterback in Trey Lance that's going to run the football himself, they're going to run a lot of RPOs. We could see them throw less than they did last year. And now you're looking for potentially a lower pass volume. You're going to need far more consolidated targets to go Debo Samuel's way. I don't know if that's going to get there. Plus, Debo Samuel was scoring a lot of fantasy points last year as a running back. Can we expect him to be as efficient of a runner? As he was last year, like I feel like teams, the Wildcats surprised everybody for a while until it didn't. Debo Samuel torched everybody last year until he won't because defenses are going to figure it out. Like, all right, Debo's back there. We know what's going to happen here. So that's my worry. A lot of people are talking about this, and this goes to my Tyree Kill potentially dislike here as well. Because I saw this on Twitter earlier today, recording here on Thursday, somebody asking about how Tyree Kill is going to be used in Miami. Uh, but when it comes to regards of the new offense that, make, that Mike McDaniel is bringing over from San Francisco, oh, they're going to use them like Debo. Well, they could try, but he's not the right. same type of player as Debo Samuel size-wise, and defenses are now aware, like, what they should be looking for in offensive systems. And this wide receiver running back thing should not be surprising anybody this year after what it did last year. Yeah, it's scary, man. And the thing is, like, Debo, got you got away with it last year, but, I mean, you can get popped doing what Debo is doing, like running, like you run into a totally different group of players when you're taking carries out of the backfield. You know what I mean? And it just takes one 300 pound dude to, to get you square. And, and that's big trouble. I mean, especially for a guy like Tyreek Hill, but Debo Samuel also does not have the BMI with his height and weight. Not the quite the BMI you want from a guy running. I know he's a tough guy, but you can only do that so much, in my opinion. So I feel a lot better playing it safe. I'm a little concerned about Aaron Jones with the talk, with the A.J. Dillon talk. But Javante Williams, I, he's growing on me. I was out, John, you and me, Melvin guys, but Melvin himself seems to be conceding yeah. a bit. That's know. what's changing it for me is that Melvin himself is like, my guys, yeah. like... They they want Javante, which is has which has led me to make some hot takes on Alarm After Hours. That is, is Melvin Gordon maybe a last day camp cut? Like yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. I mean, I'll pull up his contract here, but it's only one year. Uh, it's just yeah, one year. Only one year, and like the thing is, all the Alonix guys and the this is one of those players where it's been like that with Nick Chubb too, and it's been like that with Derrick Henry. Where all the analytics guys and the and the what is it the film grinder guys they agree on this player. Everyone thinks Javante Williams is awesome. You know what I mean? There's no one out there saying this guy sucks. They're worried about the uh, the share, right? There's no one – like you can't find somebody to come on a show and say that they don't think Nick Chubb is good. You know what I mean? Like they're worried about Kareem Hunt. Yeah. So those type players for me in the second round and especially in the third round, I'll take those guys. You know what I mean? Aaron Jones is another one where he's a good player. He has a nose for the end zone. You don't score 30 touchdowns in 30 games – just because you're playing with the back-to-back MVP, which helps, and which he's still doing. But, like, he's a good player. These are all good players. So I have no problem taking Aaron Jones, Javante, Nick Chubb, Leonard Fournette as well. I'll take Leonard Fournette. I know you're a Lenny guy as well. Uh, I'm a big Leonard Fournette guy. And, listen, I understand, again, the camp report's coming out. I think it was was Albert Breer the other day that was like, you know, Rashad White has a role. He's leaped Keyshawn Vaughn. He's leaped Giovanni Bernard. He could be that passing cat down back and all of these things. It's like no everybody has amnesia over and over again. Tom Brady plus rookies, they don't mix. He doesn't. He doesn't care no. like what your no. talent is. The moment that White misses a blocking assignment, runs a wrong route, drops a pass on third down, fumbles, leads to an interception potentially on Brady because it bounces off of him, misses a block. Like no. you name it, 
he has never seen the field again. Like, you better be a genius, right? Like, you better be Julian Edelman converted quarterback, yeah. pick up the playbook day one type right. guy. So I'm with you on that. It, that's just like, we've been, we, Keyshawn Vaughn, we just went through this two years ago. <laughs> I know, man. Like, I know. People were taking Vaughn in the sixth round. I'm looking at him like, guys, he's a rookie running back. He's got no shot. He barely saw the field. Like, this is, uh-huh. Brady is old. He's 45. He didn't even want to be back in Tampa. He got the head coach fired. This is his offense. I promise you. Leonard Fournette had, like, what was it, 70 targets last year? 80 targets last year? If he trusts Leonard Fournette to be on the field, Leonard Fournette's the guy on the field. He's calling the shots. So as I, great as White may seem to the fantasy pundits that really want him to be a thing, and that's sometimes we see that a little bit more than I think is fair almost, right? Like a lot of hot take police out there on fantasy football Twitter, a lot of analysts want to like, plant their flag so if they're right they can be like i told you richard white was going to be the guy in 20 okay but take a realistic look at this he's a third round pick and an offense with a quarterback that historically doesn't do anything with his rookie running backs trying to supplant a veteran running back that is very capable of catching the football playing on third down being the workhorse running back that tom brady brought in himself by the way from jacksonville to be the running back on this team that he won a Super Bowl with, like brought him back. They, back you know. Yeah, like yeah. So that's yeah, that's where I'm at too, John. And my advice for people when you're looking at the analysts and stuff is that like, you know what? Like if you get a guy like JJ Zacharyson, like he likes Isaiah Pachenko a lot, and he's a guy that works hard, established in this industry. And the number one thing for me is he's not one of those guys that likes every prospect. If you have got that guy on Twitter that likes every fifth round pick and sixth round pick, and they're just throwing stuff against the wall then you got to be careful. But so I don't mind those picks. I'll make them when I'm trying to get spicy or whatever. I'll take a Pacheco. I'll take a Rashad White just to see, you know what I mean? But wouldn't it be funny if they were Keyshawn Vaughn and Darwin Thompson, John? Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it would be hilarious. Yeah, Darwin Thompson, I made that analogy and I've seen people sort of refute it on Twitter a little bit. I'm not saying they're subtweeting me, but you know, you make the tweet and then shortly after people are like, well, this isn't the same thing as, is Keith Darwin Thompson goes, Isaiah Pacheco ran a 4-3-7, and he's bigger, and he's faster, yada, yada, yada. That was the excuse for Darwin Thompson. When people were saying that about Darwin Thompson, people were saying, oh, but this dude squats 575 pounds. It's like there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something that makes this guy different, and not everyone's going to be different, and not every undrafted free agent that pops in camp is going to be amazing. Some of these guys are going to be like that dude from the Raiders. What was his name? Warren, whatever that ever was drafting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember. And then he got cut before the season even started. But he had like 270 yards and, and two touchdowns during the preseason. Like he was an animal and then he just got cut. Yep. So uh, just be careful with I that. Agree with you. Next yeah, round, so- I think a disagreement you and I have had a couple times is on Michael Pittman. Not necessarily on air. Yeah, I think we've kind of texted back and forth. It's not that I don't like Michael Pittman. I just don't like where he's going. I don't see the upside that a lot of other people are sort of touting. I, I agree that Matt Ryan is likely an upgrade Carson Wentz last year, but like how much more is there for Pittman and an offense that's gonna run the football as much as they're going to with Jonathan Taylor, even with Matt Ryan? Last year, he had 129 targets. He had 88 catches, almost 1,100 yards. He had six touchdowns. Like, I, I don't see him going for 1,400 yards this year. I don't see him going... For 1,300 yards, does he go for 1,150? Does he go for 12? Like, where are your projections with Michael Pittman? Because when I look at him and then I scroll down the wide receiver list, I see plenty of guys that can get me 1,180, 1,106. Like, I I think there are quite a few wide receivers going in rounds after him that can give me that if maybe not have a ceiling higher. Yeah, but how many dudes had 1,400 yards last year? Like five what is a realistic projection for you for michael Pittman? and then tell me why my analogy has always been like yeah. tell me why brandon cooks just can't keep it. doing that like I brandon cooks is going six in the sixth round it gives you 80 and 1100 every year right like it's like i pulled i just got it up here there were five guys that had over 1400 yards but tyreek hill was sixth he only had 1239 so sure. nobody in that 1300 yard range i think it is possible and i mean we've seen i know it's julio jones who's amazing and he was amazing at this time, but we've seen Matt Ryan be the MVP of the league with a top five rush attack and support a very good fantasy asset. So for me, I just look at this group and I don't know, would you rather have AJ Brown? Would you rather have T Higgins? Where are you with that, with those couple guys? I, I don't know about you, but I have Mike Evans as a very safe pick yeah. ahead of those guys. Yeah. Tom Brady's back. He's fine. Mike Evans is awesome. 
always good for a thousand yards. So I think the safety of Mike Evans for me makes him a guy that I do like having. And just because we're having this, just real quick before we yeah. get, to, this is why I like getting a running back early and you like getting a running back early. Cause if you can get oh, yeah. one in the first round and if you get like a really good one in the first round and then also get an Aaron Jones or Javante Williams, I don't mind having one of these guys as my top wide receiver. Whereas I would much rather take the running backs that, and take a wide receiver here than end up with Debo and then be like, oh, should I take James Conner as my RB2? You know what right. I mean? Like it, it gets kind of gross there. So I do like being in a position to take a wide receiver here. And I like these guys better than the next group. So we're talking Mike. I'll just throw them all out there real quick. Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, A.J. Brown. T. Higgins, Keenan Allen. That's a pretty good group here for guys that that you're looking at in the third round and feeling pretty good about whoever you're going to take. Yeah, for me, and I mean, I haven't hit this on Twitter. I've been all in on the Eagles, right? So A.J. Brown has been my guy that I've been trying to get here in this round area. And generally, I find myself in a spot where I can get kind of two of these guys. Last year, you look at that offense in Tennessee, he missed some time again, which is always the problem with A.J. Brown, but we're not drafting with injuries. We've got to project him to play a full season. Now, this is a guy that was on pace for 80-plus 80, 80 catches, 1,100-plus yards, 7-plus touchdowns. Two years ago, again, a guy where he missed time, he was on pace for 1,400 yards in an offense where Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards. I'm just projecting an increase in yardage in pass opportunities with Philadelphia. I don't think you get Adrian Brown without looking to throw the football. I am bullish on Jalen Hurts this year, taking that next step forward. And I think it's because Adrian Brown's in town. I think Adrian Brown's a guy that could be right up there with some of the top five guys in terms of receiving yards. And I think the big play upside for him when it comes to receiving touchdowns could potentially be there for him. I think his ceiling maximum production is higher than Pittman. You mentioned Matt Ryan in that offense. I don't have the numbers in front of me, so this is just my perception of remembering that offense versus the Colts here. It's the upside for AJ Brown is higher than this entire group of players. I'll say that his I think he has the lowest floor of the group of players as well. But it's the highest. I mean, barring Mike Evans having 15 touchdowns or whatever, which is possible, right. AJ Brown does have the highest ceiling of any of these players because you look at it and what's the ceiling for T. Higgins? What's the ceiling for Keenan Allen? Right. Like obviously, Keenan Allen, you got to decide if you want to be safe or not. If yeah. you want to go for it, I love Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's been yeah, my wide too. receiver too that I've been drafting. If I go, if I get a running back early and then I'm on this swing over here, let's say I'm drafting top three, I drop my solid running back, McCaffrey, Taylor, Eckler, whomever. And then I'm picking now at the end of round two, beginning of round three, I'm double tapping Adrian Brown, Keenan Allen. Like that's where I'm yeah. going. Because you, you feel good about it. Oh, Allen. you feel great about Keenan Allen. Feel great about it. I, I love if I go two running backs and I get Keenan Allen as my wide receiver one, I feel like I stole something. You know what I mean? Like, because if you go double tap running backs, you shouldn't be able to get a guy of that caliber. But I mean, his ADP is 31. Yeah. So he is available in the People third think round. He's the, boring, the, but he's going to get you 100 mm-hmm. catches, 1,100 plus yards, and like seven touchdowns. I, I don't get how you could love Justin Herbert and not like Keenan Allen a lot. Because Mike Williams is there. You want to talk about a guy that has a, a crazy high ceiling, Mike Williams is that guy. You were the one that was like, hey, Mike Williams has had 1,000 yards. Mike Williams has had 10 touchdowns. Can he put them together? You know, came close. You're like he could. Like the wind horse meme with the hand, <laughs> with the fingers on each side. It's like 1,000 right. yards here and 10 over here. That was such a stupid take by me, but it was based in reality. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's like sometimes with Twitter, you have to do that. Like, we sit here and we talk about these things we know all these things we write all these things and then we go out on twitter and just send stupid memes yeah. that's what's crazy about this industry and it turned in that case it turned out to be right and then people were like this is dumb and yeah. i was like yeah i was like yeah it was yeah so the yeah. downfield passing upside of williams because of his touchdowns i think are what gives him that appeal and i like mike williams a lot as well i'm out on dj moore he's going in that same range i know that you're again yeah. i but you hate baker if, baker mayfield, if you don't like if, baker if, then you can't baker like mayfield hates more of a lifestyle now it's not a phase so <laughs> you got a brand yeah you got a brand to uphold by not drafting dj Moore there i understand that and dj Moore is the most boring pick i think in this even if it's possible to be more boring than keenan allen may i present you with dj Moore? You know, because he's just not going to score 10 touchdowns i mean I, maybe he will i don't know that'd be that'd somebody be tweeted the other day that they thought having baker mayfield could make dj Moore a more efficient red zone player and i'm like they have christian mccaffrey Unless yeah, red zone is efficient, yeah. which he has been the last two years, and DJ Moore still couldn't find the end zone. Like, I I don't know if that's true. As long as Christian McCaffrey's healthy, when they get in the red zone, he's the one getting the football. So like, I don't see where DJ Moore is now becoming a better red zone player with Christian McCaffrey on the field. But that's just me. Here's how crazy the red zone problem is for DJ Moore. I pulled up, I pulled the under over unders. I did the article on that. You can the tweets out there. But if you look at the top thirty wide receivers. 30 
Only one of them has an over-under touchdown total that's under five, and it's DJ Moore. You have to go all the way down to Christian Kirk to find the next dude that Vegas is willing to sit, put the over-under line at under five. Like, they are specifically saying that. I mean, they have his over-under yardage at 1,100, and that's what you draft him for because he's pretty much a lock for 1,000 yards, but he's basically Mike Evans without the touchdowns, which is not super exciting. He's a guy that, I'm, if I'm in a three-wide receiver league, I'll consider guys like that because we said it and forget it. But if you're in a two-wide receiver league, there are going to be weeks where you sit there and say, DJ Moore, come on. You know, do I got to have somebody more exciting? Yeah. So three wide receiver league, there's a place for those guys. But if it's two wide receivers, then yeah, go for the upside. He's been very consistent. Like, that's I agree with you 100%. Like, I, he's just not a guy that I've been taking because, like, in that range, I'm looking at guys that I feel have a higher ceiling. Mike Williams is there. Cortland Sutton. Now, I I don't mind Cortland Sutton. I've taken him in a few leagues. I've been drafting Jerry Judy because he's just going later. But, like, I don't have a problem with going Cortland Sutton there. And I feel like he's a guy that could get you the touchdowns. He could get you the, at very least, the same potential yardage. I know you and I talked about, and you wrote that article on the, the yardage, Vegas yardage totals. Yeah, yeah. We were just and, talking about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On Cortland Sutton. Like, and these Broncos receivers, to me, they're super low for a guy in Russell Wilson that was able to support 1,000 yard receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So, like, why would they not be at the same place? So, in that range, I just haven't found myself taking any DJ more because of the guys that are around him and I feel the same way about Michael Pittman the other guys around him I feel like have higher ceilings I know we've seen the tweet coming around just like you have over the last like five games of the year T Higgins actually had more fantasy points than Jamar Chase nobody's taking T Higgins over Jamar Chase obviously but you know I think it, you're looking at an offense where I think Joe Burrow could throw for 5,000 yards this year T Higgins could very easily come in and give yeah. you 1,200 yards receiving Jamar Chase can give you 1,400 yards receiving, and just, those two guys just dominate the targets. I just T. Higgins, like that T. Higgins is the new Mike Evans. That's, yes. that's what he feels like to me. Like, big guy, scores touchdowns. He's over-under for touchdowns, is healthy. If you like that type of player, if you like Mike Evans, there's no reason not to like T. Higgins. And if you're in a format where you don't think that those guys are the right guys, like full PPR type whatever deal, then maybe you don't take them. But, I mean, like, you... It's hard to not feel good about it. Yeah. So T- those if, are, those are receivers that we like. The next round has a bunch of receivers that we don't like. Jalen Waddle, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson are three that we both agree we're out on. I don't have any shares of Deontay Johnson. I don't have any shares of Jalen Waddle. I took one share of Terry McLaurin only because Terry McLaurin, only because he really fell. And this was a league where I went RB heavy early. So I'm looking at a guy that could be the top scorer of that team. So I, I took him there, but I only have one share. My water problem is just a Tua problem. I've tweeted about it a bunch. I don't really believe in Tua and Tyreek Hill being there now. Feels like it's going to usurp some of the production we got out of water last year. And I don't, I'm don't. i not in on any of the Steelers guys. I don't know what's going to happen with that quarterback situation. It looks like Pickett might actually win the job over Trubisky, over guys like that. I don't know how you feel about that, but... You know, those three receivers for me, I'm just, I'm not really touching. Don't like him, man. Too scary, man. J- Jalen Waddle for sure. If you draft Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, you, you use a bench spot on Tua because that's the that's a commitment you just made, man. Like, you don't see a team have multiple high-end pass catchers without their guy, their quarterback, being at least serviceable. Like, even when, like, the Jets had, like, Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, Ryan Fitzpatrick was, like, a back-end QB1 most weeks, and he was even right there. You know what I mean? So, like... I look at this next round, and it's just like it's kind of a dead zone for me. I wish I could first. I wish I could somehow just get multiple players from the round before because I like Zeke, I like Travis Etienne, fine. James Connors, fine. Like that whole group. I wish I could just get a wide receiver from there and a running back from there. But I really don't like the wide receivers here. I don't like having to pick one of these guys or reaching down for like an Allen Robinson, Gabe Davis, Brandon Cooks. Like if Allen Robinson's gone. And I'm looking at a board of Jalen Waddle, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Gabe Davis, who I don't really like. I don't feel great about reaching all the way down to Brandon Cooks. DK Metcalf is such a wild card with Geno Smith. Like, uh, you, you, as much as we say we like running backs early, like you got to get a wide receiver you feel good, good about yeah. before this section of the draft. Now, of these running backs, John, Brees Hall, Cam Akers, I like them a little bit better. I like, I like Cam Akers a lot. I mean, if you're on a team that's that good, you fall ass backwards in, into touchdowns. So I'm on board with Cam Akers. I know there's some Daryl Henderson smoke. I don't care. I like Dave Montgomery's good. J.K. Dobbins, yeah, I'm Mon- not. I, I like Montgomery. The, a lot of people are just getting weird on that Bears team about, yeah. about where it's at. To me, that's kind of 
Uh, he's going to get volume. The, the, the offense, I think, is okay. I know the offensive line's bad, but I don't see Cleo Herbert coming in and just, like, taking it away. One guy that I, I kind of jumped over, but I do want to get your take because I know he's been a, a pretty popular player in drafts is Travis Etienne. How much does now the fact that James Robinson looks ready to go week one, does that worry you now about where his ADP is? It does. It honestly does. Because they, like the comments from them, they like James Robinson. The coaching staff here, sometimes a, a new coaching staff or regime will come in and they just won't have anything to say about a player. Like, you didn't hear anything good about Kenyon Drake and then he was gone. Right. This they've been very vocal saying we like James Robinson. James Robinson has all the skill set. I think they truly want it to be James Robinson on first down and then Travis Etienne. Like if you're a coach in the modern NFL, that's what makes you feel good. It makes you sleep easy at night, not knowing you have to rely on one player. So I think that's the way they want it to be. Whether James Robinson is a good enough player is the real question, because we've never really seen him have to go up against high caliber players like Travis Etienne might just be a totally different player we saw it with Carrion Johnson where Carrion Johnson looked pretty good and people like Carrion Johnson and then when DeAndre Swift showed up Carrion Johnson himself was like my knees my hips they don't do that like I can't learn nothing from Swift because I can't do that so yeah. it could just be a situation where when you get them on the field together it doesn't matter but it does concern me so I would honestly I'm taking Zeke James Conner, there's nothing not to like about yeah. James Conner, really. We Even if he doesn't get the password, it's touchdown city. Yeah, we're, right? we're big Zeke guys. Obviously, take Jerry Jones tweeted, I was giving that interview where he's like, love the that. offense starts and stops with Ezekiel Elliott. is in the best shape of his life. Yeah, Tony Pollard's there. Tony Pollard's great, but like, Zeke Elliott's where we're running with our team because we're That's paying what Jerry Jones money, said that. what he said. Jerry, right? Yeah, Jerry Jones said that. Right? And he said, best shape of his life, all the cliches. He even said what, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it because I've heard I don't know. John, how many times have you heard someone say that they're going to use a running back in the slot? And how many times has that actually Yeah, happened? we talked about it. Cream Hunt last year was practicing in the slot. They're like, oh, here we go. Cream Hunt going to be a receiver. And wasn't 15, ever used. 15, 15 slots now. Yeah, obviously. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, I'm not really expecting ATN to be there. The fact that Robinson looks ready to go, that Peterson said, like, Robinson looks great, could be an early down guy. My biggest worry of all time about Travis ATN was that the word gadget gets thrown around or oh we can Ugh. line him up here we can do a lot of different things with him we can uh, i don't want that of my player i want him to have a role right like yep. i want Anytime. him to be like this guy is going to play this spot this is where he is in this offense not like we'll find a way to get etn yep. involved he's such a great player usually those guys get like six touches right Bernard robinson yeah. Yeah. Tavon austin percy harvin at times even percy harvin when he was a wide receiver was good when he became a gimmick gadget if you hear the words gadget player or gimmick player or manufactured touches immediately in your mind replace those words with inconsistent yeah, right? yeah. not good enough to be a or b <laughs> we're going to do our best to use them at both yeah it's like like rondell moore last year they basically had to like tape yeah, the, the ball to his chest like yeah, he was ralph wiggum and say why don't you run, run, run or <laughs> negative a dot half his games he had a negative a dot on the season it, it was 1.3 yards so. yeah. Uh, but yeah pretty you don't want that guy it's just not consistent in best ball sure go crazy who cares but in in regular real people leagues where you have to click on the name and click on the spot in your lineup those gadget players man it is it's ugly yeah, let's jump into round five here. Guys that I think are definitely uh, hype monsters going into the year and one that you've written extensively against, Gabriel Davis. I think yeah. that I'm slowly starting to turn a little bit more towards like, all right, I should get at least a share or two just in case because of that offense in Josh Allen. But, you know... Where we're at at this point in the draft, I think, is kind of an interesting spot given the players that are around him. And I have him in the Sirius XM League. Probably, if I wanted to trade him, I probably should have done so before I made it clear my stance on this player. Right. But I, the thing is, people think that I don't recognize the upside. Obviously, I know the upside for this player. We watched two years now, right? On And I just talked about how Josh Allen's passing stats are very similar to Kirk Cousins. And we just watched... Both these teams have Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs and have the second player on the team, Adam Thielen, finish as the wide receiver 10 in 2020 and be the wide receiver 7 last year, right, in before he rolled his ankle. We've seen how that works with highly consolidated snaps and targets with a guy like Thielen. And we think Gabe Davis is that kind of guy that can be very efficient in terms of touchdowns and provide from that second spot. The problem that I run into is that we're sitting here looking at Gabe Davis, 
and hoping that he can be the second target on the team when they have a good tight end and they have multiple guys that can play in the slot. And Cole Beasley's gotten 100 targets out of the slot three years in a row, all while he's over 30 and all while he's not very good. Like, so we've seen those targets go there. And we're hoping that happens. And we're hoping that he can keep the touchdown pace and become Adam Thielen. Yet we're drafting him multiple rounds before Adam Thielen. So that's the problem with me. If Gabe Davis was being drafted like a sleeper, like a guy that's never had more than 35 catches, I would be excited to draft Gabe Davis. But because I have to draft Gabe Davis in a spot where I could be drafting Brandon Cooks or DK Metcalf, he's going ahead of them now based on we're using our composite ADP from Fantasy Line, which pulls from not just Yahoo, not just Underdog, but from FFPC, NFPC, legitimate high stakes leagues. He's going ahead of those guys. That's what scares me. That's the problem. And if Gabe Davis is awesome, then that's okay with me because I know the floor is the problem for me and I have him in a dynasty league. So I'm okay with it. If he's great, I already I've acknowledged that he could be great. He could be Adam Thielen. I'll just wait and I'll take Adam Thielen. And if Adam Thielen's Adam Thielen, then I already have a top 10 mark. Right. Exactly. For me, I've already mentioned it a little bit earlier, but Jerry Judy's been a quote unquote, my guy for me. Rookie season, Jerry Judy came into the league, 52 catches, 113 targets. 856 yards with the likes of Drew Locke, while well, it was Jeff Driscoll, Brett Ripien, and I had a game of Kendall Hinton at quarterback for him, where they didn't throw the football. So he played an entire game basically without any targets because they had a wide receiver forced to play quarterback due to a COVID issue on the team. And he still had 856 yards and 52 catches with that group. Last year got hurt. Obviously it ruined his season, but still had a very bad quarterback room. Now they have Russell Wilson who, as I mentioned, supported 1,000-yard receivers in, in, in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Jerry Judy came out of college. He was expected to be the top wide receiver taken. Raiders had different plans. Didn't necessarily work out for them. And now he's got a legitimate opportunity to be that guy. I look at Judy. I've been pretty bullish on him. I said, like, he could be the team's leading uh, receiver in yards and targets and touchdowns this year over Sutton, who profiles more as that deep play guy. I know Wilson likes to throw the deep ball, but... I mean, man, Jerry Judy, if he is what everybody projected him to be coming out of college, like he is a stud receiver. He has size. He has speed. He had route running. He had hands. I'm just buying all in on Jerry Judy this year. So, John, you're not the only one that we when we alluded to this earlier, we talked about Cortland Sutton, but you're not the only one that believes that. Who else believes that, John? And I think they might be a pretty reliable source. The MGM Grant. The MGM, when you look at their lines, they have Cortland Sutton at 925 receiving yards. And they have Jerry Judy at 950. And not only that, but they have Cortland Sutton set at five and a half touchdowns. And they have Jerry Judy set at six and a half. So the MGM, their sports book, they're flat out saying they think Jerry Judy is going to be better than Cortland Sutton. But Cortland Sutton is going, he's going to pick what, 41? Like, so right around pick 40. That's fairly early in the fourth round. And then we have Jerry Judy here at pick 60, 20 picks later. You can get him in the fifth or sixth round. Late fifth round is where he generally goes. So I look at that and I'm just like, I put a, it was like when you work in a factory and they have that red button that just stops all production. Yeah. Like I, I hit that. When I did that article, I hit that button for Cortland Sutton. I have enough Cortland Sutton in best ball and stuff like that, where I just stopped all Cortland Sutton production and I pivoted to Jerry Judy at ADP. Yeah. So Jerry Judy right now, if you believe in Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson is awesome. You know what I mean? There's not much you can say about that. There, He's a great quarterback. So if you believe at all in that player, then Jerry Judy at ADP makes a lot of these guys irrelevant. Yeah. I'm not taking Amon Ross St. Brown if I can get Jerry Judy. I'm not yeah. taking Dalton Schultz. Like this whole group of guys, eh, I don't know. Yeah, no, uh, I'm in 100% agreement with you. Again, I like Brandon Cooks, as we've alluded to. Yeah, he's just Cook's ever good. consistent. As long as he stays healthy, which he's been the last few years, I think Davis Mills actually isn't horrible, and this is a team that we're expecting to be trailing in a lot of games, so they're going to have to throw. So even if Brandon Cooks is getting garbage yardage, we don't care about that as fantasy players. We're so, like, good. Let him get garbage. Let him get five catches in 70 yards in a final four minutes of a game. They're down 20. Like, that's yeah. perfect. Everyone knows it's going to this guy, right. and he still gets – like, I don't get how he does it, dude. He's always open. And maybe He's a better Nico open. Collins this year is even better for him. If Nico Collins can take that stuff yeah. forward. So, I'm going to Brandon Cooks. Marquise Brown is interesting. I worry – obviously, we all worry a little bit. I think what, ha- what happens when DeAndre Hopkins comes back? How does that offense get impacted? Does Brown just turn into the deep throw guy? And that's a super inconsistent player to be relied upon. Vegas does not like Marquis. I can tell you right now, Vegas doesn't like Marquis Brown. Yeah. They got him. They got his over-unders low. Eight, under 900 yards, five and a half touchdowns. Like, uh, 
it's that has me scared. And I agree with you. We're all like, you gotta, you have to draft like you're right. You draft like you know what you're doing and draft as if you're going to make the playoffs. If you don't make the playoffs, who cares? So for me, I'm not, I've never been a huge fan of drafting guys that I know are going to be worse in fantasy playoffs. It's not like DeAndre Hopkins is hurt. He's suspended. When he comes back, he's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm not super amped on drafting guys that I feel real good about for six weeks, and then I'll be looking over my shoulder for the rest of the year. I would rather just draft Brandon Cooks, Jerry Judy, possibly even DK Metcalf. Now, there's just one other guy from this group i got to get your opinion on, Juju. Are you doing any Juju? Where are you at with Yeah, that? I mean, I just want pieces of Kansas City's offense. I think Juju's that guy. I've been, I've taken shots at Marquez Valdez-Scantling late to have some sky more sprinkled in there. I'm out on Miko Hardman. That's not a guy that, I mean... How many years are we going to try to say that Miko Hardman's yes. a thing? I feel like Tony Pollard truthers and Miko Hardman truthers are like in the same the same camp. Like they're, they're these are guys that you want to be a thing, isn't a thing. So it's like that kid from uh, Role Models where he's like, I like the idea of Coca Cola. <laughs> it's like you like the idea of the hypothetical player, but I it's just not there. Yeah. And I think Juju for me is a guy. I'm much more willing to take him in full PPR than I am in a half PPR. Yeah, he's one of those. Guys. I will say this: like you want to talk ceilings. Juju had that monster year two years ago, right? Like, Sorry. so like he's he's capable of it. He had the monster year three. He had the monster year in 2018, so technically four, four years. Ago. Okay, but he did have a 97 reception year as well. Maybe so he's had two maybe, two years that were very good in PPR, but the one year he had was good in amazing. 2018 was amazing in every format. 2020 was very good in PPR, and he had nine touchdowns too. But he only had 831 yards on 128 yeah. targets. A lot of that is, was Big Ben's problem, though. That's yeah, Big like, Ben's problem. Or not even Big Ben. It wasn't like Rudolph's problem, right? Like, yeah. There, right. yeah. Patrick Mahomes is the equalizer, in my opinion, to that. So I'm willing to take some juju shots there. I'm fine with it. The next round, though, round... Ju- juju shots sounds like something like a bunch of white chicks would get at the club, no? <laughs> like, let's get some juju shots. Right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this, this sixth round is super interesting to me, though. I think there's a lot of guys that have that are being underdrafted based off injuries and uncertainty. Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin, if they were going into the season completely healthy, they're second round receivers, right? Like Godwin was on pace for 1300 yards last year. Michael Thomas was the best wide receiver in football before being injured two years ago. And now you're getting them down in, in round six. Like this is where I am okay taking risks on these players. I know that Godwin is there's still some uncertainty around him being week one, but he's back at prep. Like, he's not on the pup. He's not going to be on the pup. He's not going to miss a bunch of weeks. I think Godwin's going to be good to go It's early in this year. And he was a world beater in PPR last year. Tom Brady's favorite target. There's now no longer Antonio Brown, who you and I talked a lot about last year. On a per-game, per-season stretch, Antonio Brown was on pace to be the team's best receiver in, like, targets, yards, receptions. He just, like, couldn't stay on the field, so it, was, it kind of hurt his overall production there. Take that out of the equation. Take Rob Gronkowski out of the equation. Godwin is a monster, and I think Michael Thomas is a beast. Where they're going, their ceilings are three, four rounds ahead of where they're being taken. I've been taking a lot of those guys as my wide receiver threes in leagues. Sure. <laughs> There's like six players in this round that I like better than almost anybody in yeah. the two rounds prior. Like, 100%. I mean, I, and I'm taking them a lot of times over those guys. Yeah, like, a, a, a not, thousand percent. Uh, and I'll just throw this one last one here. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is my guy. You can follow my Twitter timeline. I've already mentioned it earlier with AJ Brown. I think he's going to, he's just the rushing upside. And we've talked about it before. You get these guys, they take that leap when they get an elite receiver. Last year, he was throwing to a rookie in Devonta Smith who's really a tight end in Dallas Carter, who's good, but he's a tight end. And there was like Jalen Rieger, Quez Watkins, like Greg Ward. It was a bunch of nobodies. This year, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Carter are his top three receivers. And Quez Watkins, who's pretty good actually last year, is now his like number four. Like there's a lot more talent around Jalen Hurts to be a successful passer. I'm taking Jalen Hurts over Kyler Murray. I've taken him over to Lamar Jackson. The Lamar Jackson's ADP is really starting to rise now. So it kind of would be silly to do that. I can kind of just wait on Hurts at this point. But there was a point in time where Murray, Hurts, and Jackson were kind of all in a cluster together. I think Hurts has a legitimate shot at being a top three overall quarterback, and you're getting him there in round six. So for me, my must-have guys of this round six, Jalen Hurts, if he's available, Chris Godwin, and Michael Thomas. I know that you have a couple guys, though, that you want to talk about here as well. I would almost like, and I'll also actually say this right now, I vouch for reaching for, so I'll name six guys here. I vouch for reaching for at least one of these guys if you want knowing that you'll get another one. 
and just making sure you get two, possibly even three guys from this group. Like, I don't mind reaching for Michael Thomas. Think about it. Jalen Hurts, awesome. Love Jalen Hurts. He's one of my six from this group. Michael Thomas has the record for most targets in a season. Like, that's his ceiling. We've seen Jameis Winston throw 33 touchdown passes. Like, Jameis Winston is capable, highly. Darnell Mooney. And 5,000 yards. Like, he just throws. (laughs) Darnell Mooney had 140 targets last season. Like, if Justin Fields takes a step forward and he gets a little more efficient, Darnell Mooney could go to another level. Rashad Bateman, I wrote a full article on. We don't want to take up your time. I'm pretty sure we're already going to have to break this into two podcasts, as is. So go check out the article I wrote on Rashad Bateman. But he's stepping into a role that got 150 targets last year. It's going to be highly consolidated again. Rashad Bateman is a guy I'll take over a, pretty much all the guys we mentioned, except for maybe Judy or Cooks. I'd probably take him over those guys even, right? Chris Godwin. We seem to be the wide receiver two overall. He's playing with Tom Brady. Guy's great. And then, of course, I just talked about why Adam Thielen, like, if he just comes back and he's Adam Thielen that we saw last year, why we're talking about a top 10 wide receiver two years in a row now. And they had every opportunity to draft a wide receiver. In fact, they traded back with a division opponent who then took Jamison Williams, right? They could have taken a wide receiver at any point in the draft. They could have gone on free agency, got another wide receiver. They didn't do that. Then they use the new coach comes in and uses a ton of three wide receiver sets. If they didn't believe in Adam Thielen, don't you think they would be looking for someone else to be the third guy? I mean, hell, they must believe in KJ Osborne because he's going to play a ton of snaps now too. So they went out of their way to essentially not bring in somebody else. That has me believing that that he that they believe in. So that whole group of guys there. This is why you throw ADP out the window because I don't see any reason for me to draft Amon Rossi Brown or Marquise Brown over any of those guys we just mentioned. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement with you there. Round seven, this is where I think it gets a little interesting because I find myself taking pretty much guys that are where we talk about reaching. Like this is where I kind of break ADP a little bit. I like Chase Edmonds. I've taken Chase Edmonds as my like RB4 in a lot of... I've dabbled at TJ Hawkinson as a tight end. I know that there's potentially other targets there where Hawk could find his way a little bit down the target totem pole. But looking in this round seven range, if I've already taken my quarterback, I'm looking at Edmonds. I'm looking at Hawkinson. Maybe somebody falls from the rounds above where I can go ahead and grab them. But there's not a ton in this grouping here where I'm like, all right, I want somebody here with this seventh round ADP. Yeah, Chase Evans is kind of becoming that guy for me, man. I think about Mike McDaniel. A, they call him a mastermind, and he's got a pretty good offense set up there. And they went out and got Teron Armstead, who I mentioned earlier was could very well have been the key behind a lot of Alvin Kamara's rushing success. The 49ers just run everything behind Trent Williams, and Trent Williams is awesome, and they have an amazing scheme. And Mike McDaniel brings that scheme over, and he goes out and get his Trent Williams into Ron Armstead. I mean, whoever ends up being the guy – He's going to be a guy. So it's just a question of whether Chase Edmonds is a guy or if McDaniel's going to pull the same hot hand Mike Shanahan stuff that we saw in 49ers and it's going to be Raheem Mostert one week and then it's going to be Sonny Michelle. Like that would annoy me. But if it really is Chase Edmonds and they paid him more money than everyone else, then I'm in. I'm down. Yep. And I will. this is what I'm doing. If I don't get like Chase Edmonds or I don't really love the Tony Pollards or Dallas Goddards, this is where I find myself taking my quarterback. Ideally, if it's Jalen Hurts, great. I like Dak. I like Russell Wilson. Yeah. Trey Lance, I'll dabble. This is where it starts getting a little wishy-washy for me. And I say, I'm just going to take a quarterback here. And then I'll I'll find that, I'll figure out who's left. Yeah, I've started taking Dak as well. If, I'm, if I miss out on sort of those mobile quarterbacks, Dak's been the guy that I've gone to. And Wilson as well, if I, if I find myself pairing up with the wide receiver. But Dak is a guy that's like pretty consistently like right up there with the top scoring quarterbacks. And this year he's fallen down. I think obviously there's no Cooper. There's some uncertainties as their wide receiver too. Though I've been seeing better things lately about Michael Gallup where he might not even miss the miss much time. They had an opportunity to place him on the pup list and they didn't do it. So I, I think that there's an opportunity here for press Scott to actually outperform where he's going right now. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, he might not be as mobile as some of these other guys, but you know, he started his career with six rushing TDs in the first year, six, and then six. All three years, first three years, six rushing TDs each year. And then he broke his ankle. He comes back next year and he's not as mobile. No, neither was Joe Burrow. But now he's going to be a year removed. They're going to have a lot less weapons. This is a guy that's proved that when he gets down to the red area, he can take it himself. Six touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns is a game changer, especially in four-point passing leagues. That's that, that, like, if your quarterback scores a rushing touchdown of any kind, a one-yard QB sneak, then that's an incredible floor for that week. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You mentioned we might have to break this up into two. We are going to break this up into two. So that's our look here at the first seven players that we're targeting, guys that we don't like, guys that we do like. Next week, we're going to break down the second half of these fantasy drafts, some of our dart throws, some of the guys that we feel like are can overperform where they're going. Maybe some guys that we think are too highly on the rise and we should be letting your league mates make that mistake instead. Coop, any final thoughts here before we wrap it up? I mean, next week is going to be... That's going to be the fun one, right? Because this week you go through the fi- the rank and file of the early rounds. And then, but after these rounds, like we just went through the parts where you have to care about ADP, but we were already getting into that mode where it's like, hey, you know what? All these guys going in the se- sixth, seventh round, we like these guys better than the guys before. It gets even crazier after that, where like there are some guys I see on this list and I'm like, I'm willing to take them here in the very next round and they're going three or four rounds different so next week we'll get into the fun and if your drafts are this weekend don't worry because we published all our rankings i'm gonna update the dynamic rankings john stuff's out there howard's rankings are up there the draft kit is free this year fantasy alarm all you gotta do is put in an email address and you get our rankings for free so you can have all that stuff in advance next week we'll break down exactly why we're doing it in time for your big home league so you can smash and then you can brag to all your friends because the bragging rights that's what it's really all about yep 100 and if you're not yet an all pro subscriber for fantasy alarm now is your chance to take an opportunity only limited time remaining coop this isn't a deal that we're offering forever 50 percent off the first six months of our all pro monthly package there that basically means you get 50 percent off for the entire nfl season but you don't get access to just the nfl content you get access to our current mlb content nascar mma nba that's starting up nhl that's going on any sort of dfs content that we provide on site you get that for 50 percent off for the first six months of this year it's about 1998 i think it comes out to it's a can't miss opportunity right now we had a millionaire winner last year coop in week three millionaire mike we tweeted about it yesterday he tweeted at us actually because howard made a comment oh we won this guy mike a million dollars last year he tweeted uh correction howard you won me one million twenty five thousand and like six hundred and twenty dollars like we continued to produce money with our dfs content and he wasn't the only one we had a quarter of a million dollar winner last year like we were killing it with our dfs content and you can get that now for just 1998 a month i think it comes out to go to fantasylarm.com slash all pro promo code nfl50 it's where you want to take advantage of that it's not going to last forever like i said by the start of this nfl season it could be gone you're going to miss your opportunity to save 50 percent on the first six months of that package so you got to go ahead and check it out i mean dude just do what just go to, over to matt sales's page and fill out one nascar lineup you'll probably make I that nearly money back. down the nascar gpp last week i was in 12th place five laps to go i'm in 12th place in the big 15 gpp they have the caution restart and chase elliott goes from first to fifth you got to deal with that sometimes. But, I mean, that, there's a reason that Matt Sells has won the NASCAR DFS Writer of the Year or just actually the NASCAR Writer of the Year with the Fantasy Sports Writer Association yeah. three out of the last four years. So, like, like th- and that's part of this package, which you're getting everything. You're not getting just the NFL. Like, you're getting all of the baseball, all that, dude. So, if you're a serious fantasy gamer, you probably already have it. But right now, like, this is the best deal we do. It's probably we're only going to go for another week or so. Probably. I, I mean, I don't have actual details of that. I just know that it is a limited time offer that certainly won't be lasting around probably much longer than week one. So take advantage of it now while you yeah. can and get access to all of the content that we're putting out right now, not just NFL. So that's what I got to say. But I'll be back next week to finish off our guys preview ADP here of the second half of your fantasy drafts. For now, we'll catch you guys later.